Chance for Burke. Oh, fantastic from Chris Burke. Well, I reckon that's near enough his first touch, and that's absolutely sensational football from Scotland and a sensational finish from Chris Burke. Burke up against Smith. Still going, it's Chris Burke on to his left. Goal. It's 3 0 to Kilmarnock. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to the What the Fork podcast. Today's guest is a former Rangers, Cardiff City and current Kilmarnock winger who, once this coronavirus is over, will be approaching approximately 500 appearances in professional football. Welcome to the show, Chris Burke. How are you doing, Chris? You well? I'm fine, Graham. Thanks for uh, having me on and um, it's nice to hopefully have a good chat with you. Because there's so much to do at the moment, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What is there to do? Is that for chat? At least maybe hopefully the world will be a better place after this. Oh, fingers crossed. It could be a blessing in disguise, obviously. It's a, you don't want um, death and etc. and illnesses and stuff, but hopefully it can bring the world together. Yeah, fingers crossed. That, that's the hope, isn't it? That's the kind of the silver lining, I suppose. Um, I mean, we are speaking in the midst of what's a crazy, crazy time, not just for football, for the world, but what, what's life like for a footballer at the moment? Strange, um, if I'm honest. It's surreal. I'm sure it's the same for everybody else, but as an athlete or that you wanted to talk about as a footballer, you're always in the dark. You don't know. We actually planned to come in last Monday. Um, after training on Friday getting told the games were cancelled uh, we prepared for that match and we get told on the training field that that was it so we trained a little bit longer and then we had the weekend off but then we got a text on the Sunday night saying that we won't be coming in on Monday and nobody's allowed to come anywhere near the football club so we would know in due course we got a programme off our sports scientists so that's why I'm just done from my run um, so that's done and dusted uh, so it's a weird one, really. It's, it's frustrating as much for football as it is for a fan. Yeah. And hopefully, sooner rather than later, that we'll get to the bottom of it and we can tackle this virus and we can see a decrease rather than an increase and we can start moving on with our lives, not just footballers, but I'm sure everybody would benefit more if, if they could just get back to their day to day routine. And it's funny you mentioned about like um, like football and stuff like that. The one thing that's keeping me going is the thought of how much football I'm going to have to enjoy once this is over because there's going to be like Euros and World Cups and Women's World Cups coming up my ears and European games. It's going to be fantastic once it's over. Um, it just It's the uncertainty of it all, isn't it, at the minute? It's it's just so weird. Yeah, well, um, I think for Scottish football it might be a, bit, a little bit easier to fit in because many seas, many weeks we just play one game a week but yeah. it'll be more difficult for the top teams I'm sure that will be the, the headache for the, the top leagues in UEFA to try and fix and put plan in place for the future um, going ahead in the season but hopefully we can finish the season that's the main objective we just have to have one target at a time um, I think there's no point in looking too far ahead but hopefully we can finish the season and there'll be clarity and everything um, so hopefully for us for Kilmarnock that we can finish the season in a high because we've actually slipped to the bottom six Yeah. rather than being in the top six where we've been the past two seasons but we have an opportunity to to win our games and if we win our games we'll have a chance um, but 
hopefully it's um, in the coming months rather than the coming years. Yeah, fingers crossed. I don't think I could deal with it for too too much longer. Um, personally, you've, on, on paper anyway, you've had quite a good season at Kilmarnock. It's been a bit of a difficult one for Killy based on maybe what you've had in the past few years and, and chasing Europe and getting into Europe and things like that. But six goals, five assists. Um, how have you found the season at Kilmarnock? Obviously the change of manager and things like that. Yeah, um, this is my, I think, my third season yeah, at Kilmarnock. So. Yeah. And I've enjoyed every single second of it. Each season came with a different challenge, if I'm honest with you. The first season I had signed um, and I was recovering from actually a, a virus and myself that set me back in my career twice. Yeah. Um, so I missed the full season before that, trying to struggle with fitness and get back to full health. It was um, a troubling time for me the first season, but the team done ever so well. I still played my part in certain games, but not as much as I would have liked. Um, but I, I knew the team were doing swell so I couldn't complain and I'm not the one to chat the manager's door or be disruptive I'd just go on with it and work hard and I knew that the manager Steve Clark um, if he gave me my chance the following season that I would prove my point and prove my worth for the team because I always think an asset you're trying to be at a football club and I wasn't an asset the first season for Kilmarnock and for, for my standards um, second season was terrific I got into the team I was a regular and we made Europe and we came third so from the first season being battling relegation and looking like we would slump to the bottom with probably like like a couple of points in the board after 10 games everybody had written us off we finished fifth and then the second season finishing third was a great progression for Kilmarnock um, third season has been a little bit different as expectation levels on us. Yeah. Um, but we changed manager, we changed staff, we changed a variety amount of players, you know, over double figures in players. And you're going to get inconsistencies in that, and that showed this season. Um, change of managers not helped again. But now we've got consistency, we've got somebody in place now that, that knows how to breed success out of individuals and collectively as a team. and we have picked up in performances, it's just getting the results now. And I believe that the longer the time goes on in the third season, hopefully we finish it, that we will progress. Um, obviously, we've dropped down to the top six, but if anybody was to come and watch Kilmarnock now, um, they would say that they're not worried and they're happy the performances of the football club. Um, ins and outs will probably happen this season. Um, maybe maybe new staff members, new players, etc. Um, so it's, just, it's a it's a successful time individually for me. If I'm honest, um, I've, I've as you said scored six goals and five assists, whatever it is. But obviously, I feel that in my area, especially an attacker, you have to deliver yeah. um, assists and goals. I've always said that through my career. Even if you're not having a good game, you have to offer something. Um, whether it's defensive duties or um, creating a goal or creating an assist then you can play in a game where you've hardly touched the ball but if you can do that then you've got more chance of playing uh, so hopefully um, I've got another season in me <laughs> depends yeah. when this season starts back up again <laughs> um, I, could be, I could be 39 by this time if I was to retire and be a coach <laughs> 
So those of like obviously no one can have failed of have heard the accent. So obviously you, you grew up in a, a place that I know very well. You grew up in Glasgow, um, very very passionate football city, um, of course, and like a, a plethora of clubs there. Obviously there's Rangers and and Celtic are the main two, but there's there's so many clubs in close by. So there's a, a lot of passionate football fans that live in and around that. Um, but I believe that you didn't really get into football till you were about sort of nine or ten. Is that right? Yeah, I you've done your research very well, Graham. Of course I have. Um, I'm the first person that's ever asked <laughs> you that question. Um, yeah, so what it was, I, I remember the day specifically with my mum and dad telling me, what do you want to pick? Do you want to pick karate or do you want to pick football? <laughs> um, <laughs> no in between. I was at age of nine um, and the, the, the school team were struggling for some players because I used to just go in goals for my mates and try and save save the, the ball, obviously, yeah. the goal. Um, I wasn't that good, obviously, because of my height. But um, no, I, I chose football just because my, my, my two best friends at the time um, were playing for the school team, so I, I got into the team. And I, I don't know, it, it just I just naturally progressed really quickly for me. Um, after like six months of playing football for my school team and then playing for a team in Drumchapel um, called Goodyear, I was playing right back. And then I only went in trial the Celtic Boys Club yeah. because my dad's friend's boy was going um, and we, we caught a lift together and we went for trial and funny enough he didn't get in and I did um, and it, the rest is history really yeah. so I, I don't know what it was I wasn't one to be into football it's not as if I was at the age of five six kicking the ball about I was just a climber um, a free spirit and just don't know what happened. It just very it escalated really quickly for me. You have to have a bit of luck as well, but yeah. obviously talent. When it comes to growing up in Glasgow, then obviously I know that you were at um, Celtic Boys Club, but obviously I think you came through sort of Rangers youth side originally. But d- does your family have a side? Are they, are they blue green or were they neither? Did you sort of growing up and not getting into football till you were ten? Did you actually have a team, or was it more just the enjoyment of football? Um, I never really had a team, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, I only supported the team that I played for. Yeah. Um, my, my dad and my brother um, are Celtic fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mum's neither. She just supported me as do my obviously my brother and my and my dad. Um, but no, I, I didn't support anybody just because I didn't have passion for playing. I just didn't have a passion for any football team specifically. Yeah. Just loved kicking the ball about once I, I realised I was quite good at it. Um, <laughs> so, no, I, I, I can't say specifically that I went to football. I didn't go to any football matches and support a team. Um, the only time I played was in the park, street football, and when I had a game on a Saturday and a Sunday. I started at Celtic Boys Club, but back in the day, which you can't do now, um, because I know... My, my son plays uh, for Kilmarnock that mm-hmm. he's 11 now that in any kid at that age level you have to obviously stick to the specific club you're at you can't yeah. chop and change clubs you can't go and train with somebody else at my age you could do that it was great I loved it every second of it so the t- even the times I was playing for Celtic Boys Club I was training at Rangers um, I got to go down south a lot and train the clubs down south um, I still got to play for my school team um, I got to play for the, the, the district within that as well. So I played a lot of football and probably that helped me progress really quickly as well. 
Yeah. Um, now you're more tied down, and I can see why. I can see the aspects and the behind it, and the political aspect of it as well. Yeah, of course. I think there's a lot of insurance and all that that comes with it now, isn't there? As well, I think it's a, the same in the women's game as well. Even with the women's game, there's few like um, female football I've spoke to, and even they can't sort of play for different clubs or anything either. They've got to kind of stick with that that one club or that one academy they're with, and it and it does make sense, I suppose. But for the player, I suppose it can be quite frustrating. But um, talking about kicking the ball about in the street, um, I lived in what was now classed as the, the new Gobbles, as it is. Um, it's and, and and I loved it. I absolutely loved it but I think um, and I mean this with the greatest of respect I suppose in the past it was maybe not seen as the most affluent of areas um, but obviously it's got tons of character the city of Glasgow has tons of character but um, does it almost help you growing up when you come from an area where you can kick a ball around the street and that's kind of what you've got to do like how much did you enjoy the childhood in, in the Gobbles? Yeah, completely right Jim. and I'm a firm believer of street football and kicking the ball about the street and going to your mates and playing in the turf pitches and or a grass area where you can play football. Um, and and where I stayed and where I lived, obviously it's called the New Gorbals now, but it was just called the Gorbals. Yeah. yeah, it was a deprived area. It was. I, I remember specifically, I had we stayed in high-rise flats and I stayed in 23 up and the lift only went to 22. <laughs> I had to, I had to get the lift to twenty two and then walk up the flight of stairs to get to my to get to my house. Bit of exercise. Um, it was a bit of a nightmare when the lift broke. So <laughs> I remember having to sprint down the stairs because it's quite a daunting thing at, at the age of eleven, twelve, and you're getting to play outside with your mates. Then you have to buzz up to go up when the lift broke and and the lights are off, and you have to sprint up the stairs to twenty three up. So that probably kept me a bit fit. Um, <laughs> But I remember as well where I had a great childhood, a fantastic childhood where everybody was out in the street. We used to have the mini goals out and play with our shoes off and play in the grass and play two-touch. We Not even just football, we used to set up a tennis court when it was Wimbledon. Um, we used to just play football where we could. It was it was great and I think it's a, I'm a firm believer of that. Even after school, we would just say we'd meet up and we'd play in ash pitches because it was a lot of ash pitches then. Yeah. I think the ash, pitch, the ash pitch is still there, the school that I went to, St Francis, um, where I used to always go after school and play with my two mates. Well, they used to try and stick mingles at the start, but then I ended up, with I progressed and got a bit better, I was allowed outfield and somebody else had to win goals. But, yeah, no, it was great. And that, that honestly, if I'm, if I'm honest, it taught me so much, not just about football, but about character, about personality, about how to handle myself in situations where you might find yourself in, um, whether it's an argument or you meet somebody in the, in the street and they try and take the ball off you, whatever it is. And I just don't think that happens as much anymore. Yeah. Um, I always take my boys now to Glasgow Green, as you know, where yeah. it is, because you've lived there. Yeah. Um, I treat them as much as I can. I took them last Sunday just to make them, because I think Glasgow life is, is, it teaches you good morals, good, it does. good fundamentals. Good, yeah, it does. As again, character, personality. It makes you go on with life and toughen up a little bit. So I try and take my kids to Glasgow Green and they play an astroturf pitch. I play with other people as much as they can and they all, they, they, I make sure they go over and ask if they can have a game because I don't think that harms a lot now. Yeah. Um, they try and, try and keep, <laughs> funny to say, I, 
probably put but I um, isolate themselves as much as they can. But <laughs> yeah. in Glasgow, it's a little bit different. I think the kids now are a bit more forward. Um, so I, I let them deal with it and I let them handle it. So I'm a firm, firm believer of street football. There's nothing better than great, they've got great coaches at football clubs and academies and whatever. But you can never, ever teach someone the the talent and how to handle an environment like that. Yeah, and Glasgow's a great place for it. I mean, I moved to Glasgow when I was 22, 23, and even away from football, I mean, the couple of run-ins I had, like the first few weeks that I got there, probably because I had an English accent at first, mm-hmm. um, like it, it really does it. It, it, it kind of made me a man, the place, and it, there's a reason I have so much affection for it, and I miss it so much because it did. It like it turned me from basically a 22, 23-year-old sort of boy, essentially, to now I'm 33, coming up 34, like a like a, a man if I'm honest and uh, yeah. Glasgow kind of I always say Glasgow kind of made me as a person I think and um, I think that's kind of the way, the way it is isn't it it's that kind of city uh, you don't quite mm-hmm. get the same sort of maybe elsewhere I mean obviously Sunderland's a great place and that that's definitely got its elements that have given me character but there's not nothing much like Glasgow to want to for want of a less, less of a cheesy phrase there's not a great I mean what the people make Glasgow I think I very much agree with that yeah very much so. It set me. It made me the person who I am, where I was brought up, um, and I just try and give my kids that as much as I can. Um, my mum and my dad still live in the house, obviously not in the flat, but we we got another house. Yeah. Um, but they still live there, so we always go there for dinner or whatever on a Sunday. Or meet up and during the week after school or whatever and. It does. It just teaches out. It grounds the kids, and, yeah. and that's that's a, a big part and passion for me to, to to give them that they want to be not successful in football, and just be able to be streetwise and yeah. understand life. Really, um, I want them to have common sense as well. You can have all the degrees in the world, but if you don't have common sense and you're not streetwise, I don't think your personality, your character, will, will, will take you that far. Yeah course i know i 100 agree with you 100 agree and in terms of glasgow you're one of the lucky ones as well because you've played for obviously you made your debut for rangers um yeah. you came through that sort of youth system at rangers um but who was it that first sort of spotted your talents then and, and which coaches do you kind of feel like you own an awful lot to from those days um obviously at Celtic boys club i had had good coaches um mm-hmm. but at rangers uh the, the reason why I picked Rangers is because I was, I just felt as if, uh, first of all, they played me in the position that I liked. Um, they played me wing. I was kind of playing central midfield at Celtic, and that's how it came to fruition that I just went to Rangers. Uh, I enjoyed it more. For the, um, the setup was better for me. I, I felt as if they just they wanted me a little bit more. Um, but, you know, John Brown was my youth team coach and he taught me so much again about having to work hard to get, to get everything you want. Um, you, you, know much, you can have so much talent but you have to work hard and you have to work harder than anybody in the team because effectively only one or two of you are going to make the first team if you're lucky. So as much as you're a team you are competing individually to get into the first team. Um, he taught me so much. Big uh, Advocate was a big one for me because he, he always kept in contact with me when 
when I was looking to maybe go down south and sign because I was going to sign for Arsenal. Yeah. Um, but he kept in contact with, with me so much, um, believed in me, and every time that when I did sign that he would, I would help Jimmy Bell a lot with the kit. Um, even when I was at youth team, I would help away games, I'd help home games as much as I could. Um, and the winter break when it was back then as well, when the first team would train, when I would tell Jimmy Bell, sometimes Dick Abbott would say, you can come and train with us as well, get your kit on, you're training. So that helped me a lot, and, it, and I was training with big characters. Um, so that gave me a, a little um, start, a little, a little feel for it, um, to understand what it's like at first team level. Because as much as you can train for academy level, there's nothing like first team level. Um, it's a different environment. Uh, so the the coaches were, were were a great starting point for me. Um, obviously, as I got I got into the first team, Alex McLeish was the one that gave me my first chance against Kelly. Because um, Dick Abicat left, and that's in the following season. Dick Abicat, um, Alex McLeish gave me my first opportunity to break in. So I'm ever grateful. And I've earned it for him to give me that opportunity and hopefully I repaid him with that. Uh, so so I've, I've, had, I've had fantastic coaches. Like, you know, I could name loads, you know, Billy and James Duncanson at Rangers as well, even before I made went and signed for Rangers. You know, they were at 15s, 14s level to 16s. You know, they, they, they were great characters um, and they were ever, ever so helpful with me and not just me, but the whole group. And I think you talked about characters before. I was looking through sort of the list of players. Um, like when I was growing up, even before I moved to, to Glasgow, I think it's no secret that I, I've always really liked Rangers and I was at the, the Leverkusen game not uh, last week, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking through the side that you sort of played with and I'm thinking, I mean, you made your debut against Killy, strangely enough, uh, <laughs> scored 1-5-0, came on for Andre Kanchelskis and I thought, Kanchelskis, what a player. And I look back through the squad and you've got the likes of like Jörg Alberts and that coming through. I mean, how huge is it for a young lad coming through to play with not just big names, but big characters and such a, one of the most successful Rangers sides of all time, realistically, especially with the names like that in them? Yeah, uh, I'll always remember though, when, when I had to train with the first team, but I was dreading it. I was dreading it because I thought to myself, they're just going to moan at me constantly because if I lose the ball, they'll just shout at me. <laughs> so it actually helped me with yeah. my short passing game. It did. It made me play the ball simple and knowing when to dribble and when not to dribble. Because at academy level, you could get the ball, dribble past as many players as you want, lose it, define, or get the cross in or score the goal. Um, it doesn't matter. But if you do that when you're training at first team level, then they'll tell you you should have passed it there and they'll let you know. So it actually helped my short game so much and realising that I had to lift my head as soon as I took my touch or lift my head before I take my touch. Um, just the fundamentals of football and repetition are doing the same thing constantly um, and consistent and being trustworthy. And eventually I was trustworthy and that's why I, I, I probably broke into the team at an early age because it was a bit more got that maturity so dealing with the characters every day and seeing who I've got on my team and I'm like oh you're going to shout and ball at me today um, so I'll, I'll need to make sure I'm on it make sure I track my runner just the simple and basic things of football that at the end of the day if you don't do you'll not make it as a footballer so I 
I learned that lesson very quickly and I learned I was fortunate enough to learn that I, I, I taught team and taught players um, and learned a lot from them individually as well. I remember Arthur Newman always used to have to play against him and he would talk to me during the game when I was playing right wing and he was playing left back and he would say, look, you have to check your shoulder there because you know I'm coming. Are you going to spin in behind? Where are you going to take your touch? Um, so he was so helpful in that aspect. And that's just one player. Um, I can I could tell you loads and loads of players. Even as time got on and I broke into the team, people at Shaw Abelardi was so helpful. Yeah, he would teach me. He would teach me to. He would put the ball in the penalty spot and he would tell me take a touch your right and cross it be a left. But when you cross it be a left, you're not hitting a penalty. You're trying to hit the bar, and that will make you miss the first man. And I would just do that and copy him. Um, he would show me how to do it. And that's why he was so good with both feet. He said, he obviously told me, like others, you have to be good with your both feet, not just your your right foot, um, because it will make the fullback think about other things. Um, just things like that. And I'm grateful, ever, ever so grateful for them to actually take the time um, to, to, to give that time after training. And obviously they must have believed in me in some sort of way to, to know that I had a chance of, of, of making it uh, professionally for a long, well, for a long term. And so there were so many characters that helped me at Rangers and I'm ever so grateful for for what they've they've gave me yeah. um, and made me the player that who I was. Looking at the, the games as well, we're talking about big characters, um, but I think y- yourself and the games that you've you played in and the squads that you played in and the the, the 16s that you the, the matches, you, I mean, Inter Milan, all sorts of games, but uh, Champions League campaign, obviously hugely beneficial for any player around the age that you were at the time. But then it's not just big. I mean, every game at Rangers is big, but I don't think they get much bigger than Champions League and or old firm games. Looking back through the results, you maybe didn't have the best of experiences in terms of results in the old firm, but you did win, I think, a couple of them. Um, I yeah, don't not th- as many as I would have liked. Not as many, no, <laughs> not as many as I would have liked either. But, <laughs> um, but I suppose it gets to a point with with old firms where you can be in the crowd and you can you can watch the game, you can watch it on the telly, and you can feel that kind of. It's really hard to describe how it feels as a fan, but as a player, like what is an old firm like, like? What are your memories of it coming out on the pitch? To it's it's not even a cauldron of noise. That's too much of an underestimation, isn't it? Uh, I, the best way I could explain it to you is when you're a footballer and you're on the pitch, and you would like to think you have good vision, you have a good first touch, you have a good pass, you can see things before the thing materialises. You can hear people. You hear that is the total opposite of an old firm game. What I've just said to you that goes out the window. Um, I remember my first game I, I could not hear any player on the pitch all I heard was the fans it was like every time a player t- oh, I every time a player touched the ball it was like a goal was scored so if I was to touch the ball I would think is there a man on me here? <laughs> you know uh, like is there somebody going to come and take it off me? I mean you actually have time it's just because every single second means something in that game to yeah. a fan Obviously, and to the player, but it's just a total different atmosphere and feeling on the pitch. Um, your vision just goes a little bit, so it's like you're playing blindfolded, um, just because it, it's just so full and so noisy. 
it is so noisy. That is you know, the best. I can usually hear someone who's playing behind me or playing in front of me or playing by my side. Um, information given. There is no information given because I cannot hear anybody on the football field. All I can hear is the fans um, and how noisy it is. So that, that, that's probably the best explanation I could give you about an old firm game. Any other game, is, is you can talk about Champions League, you can talk about UEFA Cup, you can talk about um, Cup Finals, but the old firm is, is just highlighted in um, 10%, then 10 times more. If you could pinpoint one moment of your, your time at Rangers, what, what would it be your favourite? Um, just to know that I could, I could, I could play and contribute, but a level in the Champions League was was, was good for me. Um, I remember the game against Inter Milan. We, I think, we drew two two, and we got to the last sixteen yeah. of the Champions League. Um, I always remember Jan Ritter as a coach. He would try and coach me to play a little bit more inside the field, where I would maybe hug the touchline too much. And in that game specifically, as a young player, you thought you, you always don't take on the information as quickly as you should. Um, and that was one of them for me, which I maybe hope I could have learned a little bit quicker in my career. And that night, I actually took it on board. And I remember him um, saying to me, yeah, see, you can do it. Um, that, that's why I always ask you to play a little bit more inside the field. You can still win the second ball. You can still control your area. You can still be effective. Um, so that game for me was great. Obviously great for the football club. They eventually qualified and unfortunately get beat off Villarreal um, with a away goal. But that game specifically for me was really important individually. During that time as well, I think 2005 or 2006, I think 2006, uh, you won your first Scotland cap um, against Bulgaria in it was some sort of cup, I forget the name of it now, like the, the Kirin yeah, Cup or something like Kirin that. Kirin Cup, yeah, that was that. Um, I think it was, yeah, one of the only cups that Scotland have won. Was that for, who Who did you make your debut under? Was that McLeish? Um, no, it was Walter Smith. Walter Smith, that's right. Yeah, I knew Walter it was Smith, one of the former Rangers boys, but talking about scoring on your debut for Rangers, um, then you play for your, your country and you scored twice. You've done that quite a bit throughout your career. Well, that's going to be a recurring theme, if I'm honest with you, but, um, you know, making your debut for your home country, like, what are your memories of it? No, I was absolutely shattered because I was in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> I remember right. travelling. I remember after the season's finished, we got on a plane, I think, the next day. Um, and the time difference was just it hit me Yeah, um, we were only there for like four or five days so I always remember training and, and you know that way we just wake up and you just get a lack of sleep and your eyes are tired and you've you know, your breath's a bit worse than what it is and you just really <laughs> want to sleep your, your, your bones aren't working as well as your functioning your muscles aren't functioning as well as they should um, you're just on cloud cloud nine um, eventually I was in cloud nine when I scored the two goals right enough but um, yeah I remember I was really tired before I came on I was warming up I thought jeez oh man I'm really tired I'm going to have to switch on here um, but it was, it was an amazing experience you know no one that you, you don't appreciate things until you get older yeah. and realise I actually did that 
you know, um, it's just strange. And I'm sure every footballer will say the exact same thing. When you're in the moment, you don't really feel that feeling 100%. You only really appreciate it. I try to appreciate it as 100% as you can is when you come out of it and you get a little bit more mature and a little bit older and maybe people want to talk about it and then you'll think to yourself, yeah, I actually did do that. Um, that actually did happen. And when people ask you, what does it feel like? And that's honestly, as much as how proud I was and my family were proud and how much it was a great, even just to step in the field and play for your country, but to score two goals and, and to be successful when we went over there, to play with great players. I always remember that I was absolutely shattered. That's all I really specifically <laughs> remember of it. Uh, so, no, it was great. It was, it was excellent to, to score the two goals. Going back to sort of your time at Rangers and maybe towards the end, I think, um, you came out of the side. I remember we touched on it before. You had that that, that virus. That I think you came out of the side, but then you fought your way back into it. But I think got injured, and then I, I'm I'm pretty certain there was a change of manager at some point, and and Cardiff come along. Now that Cardiff side was one of the the best Cardiff sides, in, and certainly in my lifetime, from what I remember, there's so many players that I can sort of pinpoint there that were in the squad. You had the, like a young Aaron Ramsey, uh, Michael Chopra might not be the most liked person in Sunderland, but um, he obviously did a fantastic job for Cardiff, and that's the whole reason Sunderland signed him. You had Jay Bothroyd, David Marshall, um, but leaving Rangers to join Cardiff is... It's, it's quite a big step because you're still relatively young, leaving a huge club in Rangers to go to another similar, you know, a big club as well in Cardiff. But it's a big, big change of league. It's a change of country. It's a change of culture. Um, what made you make the move? Um, if I'm honest, I didn't want to sit at Rangers and just pick up my wages and just be a squad player. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wanted to play regularly. Um, I always had an ambition to play in England and hopefully play in the Premier League which never happened but at least I had that ambition to try and get there and that was that was probably the two reasons and I think the timing was right also um, at the time Rangers were going maybe in a different direction and, and they were successful in that so when it came about Rangers were very helpful and just releasing me and letting me go and speak to them um, and it it came really quickly. Uh, so it was another process of me trying to be the best player that I could be. Um, I learned so much from being at Cardiff. I had a great time there. A uh, very family-orientated club. So much love. Um, I always remember one of the players telling me, as long as you try your best, they'll love you. Um, and I had no issue in that anyway because I always gave my 100%. But... Um, maybe I bring that Scottish mentality that streetwise as we spoke about before that Glasgow mentality yeah. where I wanted to win every game um, because I was so used to that Rangers where you had to win every game um, you needed to win every game um, and you didn't it was a disaster and when you go to the championship you have to maybe it doesn't, that doesn't happen realistically but I didn't understand that um, but maybe me bringing that to the team helped uh, because I didn't like losing and I wasn't used to losing as much as maybe the team was just because of the amount of games that Cardiff play and the championship play that you're going to get defeats yeah. you're going to get a lot more setbacks in the league 
been yard and you play for Rangers or Celtic. So um, it was it was it was a great memory for me, Cardiff. Um, one that was the start of a process for me to then kick on again. Um, I played with great players again. Probably you're right in saying we had a talented, talented group. I didn't realise until I went there how technically good the league was um, and physically. It took me probably six months to adapt to that. Um, not so much the technical aspect, but more so the physicality of it. Yeah. Um, because you don't have the ball all the time, you have to win second balls, control second balls, um, be more physical, try and win a, an individual battle. When you're at Rangers, you've always got the ball. You're just having to try to create something through talent, through your own attributes of creating stuff, whether it's a cross or a shot or going past somebody or playing a one-two. Um, and at Cardiff, it's maybe more physical. You have to defend first. You have to score a counter-attack, etc. So, yeah, no, we had a talented group. We had one probably that we'd underachieved, if I'm honest, because if you look at that team, you probably think should have got into the Premier League and we didn't. Yeah. We certainly came close. It's one of six out. Came really, really, really close, but just didn't deliver on the day. And at times in certain matches we didn't deliver when we should have probably got automatic whenever. When we should have got, I remember the first season, I think, we should have got into the top six. We, we lost in goal difference. Um, we got to the playoff final. We got beat 3-2 off Blackpool when we were top favourites and we didn't perform well in the day. Um, also the following season we got beaten the semi-final off Redden when we were expected to win when they beat it at home in the second leg so it kind of summed up us as a team um, but not delivered on certain games but great to play with some talented players as you said probably one team that underachieved but I enjoyed a time there um, ever so much I think with Cardiff as well, I mean, just me sort of, if I'm honest with you, sort of searching for my own research, searching through sort of how you were, I, I knew you were well liked in Cardiff, but I mean, there's a lot of people that really, really, really did rate you really highly. And I think you could probably go back at any time you want, judging on the stuff I've sort of read. And I think I came across a quote from uh, from Dave Jones, who described you as an integral part of, of what we do, I think he said, um, when it comes to you being in the side that you had and, and you had Dave Jones I think the entire time that you were there did you have quite a good relationship with Dave Jones? Yeah oh, he he wanted me he, um, I think they were trying to sign I think they had Routledge and loan but yeah. they couldn't get him so I got a text from my good friend Gavin Ray asking if I would be interested in coming to Cardiff um, Dave Jones asked him to contact me and I said yeah I'm interested so it happened really so quickly and when I first met him, he was he was great with me. Him and Terry Button, who's a great coach, who was at Arsenal, etc. Uh, so no, I had a great relationship with him. He was very, he was he was more of a, a man manager, and he would understand people, and he knew how to take people, certain people differently from others. And you tend to not get that a lot in football, where you get maybe managers, etc., that will just treat everybody the same. But everybody, every human being is different. You, you have to get the best out uh, individuals in maybe different ways. And he was really good at that. Um, and he still kept the group together. But it's hard to do that and keep the group together. And he, he did that. 
talking about uh, big derbies as well, obviously the old firm is maybe the pinnacle, but I think one thing I didn't realise until I played each other was how big um, Swansea Cardiff was. And I think the first one you played in was actually at Swansea or one of the first and, and you won 1-0. Um, was the, the derby down in, in Wales probably bigger than you originally anticipated? Um, yeah, I thought... I realised that when uh, I got a few tackles into me, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the Swansea were a great team at the time. Yeah. Uh, we were probably the only time we set up defensively against a team in the Championship. I remember that. We, obviously, with the talent we had going forward um, and the talent we had in midfield as well, we could find the forward players we always concentrated on us when we played Swansea we had to concentrate on them a little we had that new formation where it was a 3-5-2 not many teams were playing it or, uh, um, so and they played out from the back they split the defenders they, they were probably one of the innovative teams that would do that and I think Martinez was the manager at the time so we had to work defensively and at times we, they had more ball possession than us when we probably were a team that that, that that had more ball possession than, than other teams, but not when you played Swansea. I'm sure other teams in the championships could say the same at the time. But yeah, no, it was, it was massive games. I, I was probably more fortunate to get good results against them um, than it was Celtic Rangers. So that was good for me. Um, which that was, was disappointing for myself in an individual aspect that I never really got to score against. Um, and that's what sort I of, um, Derby but no I, great memories great fun obviously better memories when, when you're winning With the the move that you had after that obviously you went to to Birmingham straight after that well not straight after after like three three four years I think um, mm-hmm. it was Chris Hutton who brought you in who's obviously a highly rated coach at the time um, maybe didn't have the reputation he has now as a manager but um Seems to be a really, really lovely bloke, Chris Hutton, and I know you didn't get a great deal of time with him, um, but obviously you, you managed to get into the playoffs again uh, with mm-hmm. Birmingham in your first season. But how did you find sort of the time at Birmingham, and how did you find your time under Chris Hutton? Was that someone that is as nice as he seems on TV? Because he seems a lovely fella. No, listen, he is a nice guy, like, but he'll tell you when you're not doing well. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think the structure of this team shows that. Yeah, um, he knows what he wants, um, and if you're not doing that, he would he would tell you. But he would tell you in a way that you know if you you've done wrong or etc. But to go back on that, it was it was actually McLeish that signed me from Birmingham on a free transfer. Oh, McLeish, okay, but, fair enough. But um, I remember being on holiday, and then I found out that McLeish had left to go to Villa. So I was thinking to myself, well, what's happening here? So I had to wait and then find out who the new manager was at Birmingham when I come back my holiday. Um, so then Chris Hutton took on the, the role at Birmingham. Um, he is a fantastic coach. Uh, I learned so much from him. Um, probably, if I was to look at my stats, etc., my playing style, it was the best season that I had as an individual um, in my career. Uh, and that came back obviously comes down to him and the team and the players and how the team was set up and it probably did suit me a little bit better um, uh, and we just missed out again in the playoffs unfortunately against uh, Blackpool funny enough who beat us yeah. when I was at time at Cardiff 
Um, but we had a lot of games that season, if you remember, we played in Europe. Um, we had, because the year before, Birmingham won the Cup. So oh, that's right, against we had Arsenal. Played, we, had, we had played over 60 games in that season, trying to fit them in with European and Championship. It was a bit difficult at times. Um, so I remember us playing Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, and then Saturday. So we were... Or playing maybe one extra game than others at times, but no, I I, I remember though Cardiff is a great place really to, to live. I had a, a fantastic house. It was away from everywhere. It was out in the country. It was ten minutes from the training ground. Everywhere was ten minutes basically when I was yeah. in Cardiff. And um, when I went to Birmingham, it was a big eye opener for me. <laughs> it would take me. I was late. A good couple of times when I was training, <laughs> just because I wasn't used to um, dealing with that over an hour traffic to get into training and then getting back. And when I first went there, I was in a hotel, the club put me in the Radisson Hotel right in the city centre. Um, and I was in there for three and a half months. I was before I found a house to live, to rent. Um, so it was a big eye out and at the time there was looting going on remember we had the, the looting oh in yeah London and etc so there was a couple of times and a couple of nights when I was in lockdown myself so I know what lockdown feels like um, <laughs> experience watching people looting and smashing windows and stealing televisions and, I do remember that yeah yeah um, chasing police did the police chasing them so <laughs> it was a big eye opener for me at Birmingham but one that was successful in an individual aspect for me um, it did kick me on as a player as much as I, I, I thought I was successful at Cardiff I, I, individually and my style of play was um, it did increase maybe because they always say you're at your peak when you're 26, 27, 28 so I was that age when I went to Birmingham I think you played most of your time um, at Birmingham under obviously former Newcastle former Sunderland and former Kilmarnock manager Lee Clark um, who I think at the time was was really highly rated because he did a great job at Kilmarnock um, from memory did some really good jobs elsewhere as well but I think the team as a whole probably struggled at Birmingham based on what they had done previously I think it was like mm-hmm. mid-table I think your second season was like 12 and I think it was quite mm-hmm. close to relegation and the, the second season probably closer than you could ever anticipated um, yeah. why do you think it was so difficult with Birmingham in the, in the second and third season even though you individually statistically and like you said yourself were, were kind of peak form but the team I think did struggle based on their expectations of where they should be yeah I think um, Lee Clark had big ask to take over and yeah. um, we would just had a successful run in Europe we got to the playoffs just shooting leaves to go to the Premier League and then as always it happens any it's very more chances than not that the next manager coming in it's hard to replicate that it's hard to to kick on from there and um, it took a dip just because as well the finances got a little bit different. I knew that the players were coming in and that were having to get recruited that that um they would come and players that had to still fulfill their potential. Um bringing academy players and getting loans, which then 
puts a little bit of inconsistency in the teams and then having to get players to um, not having well yes having to get players to, to leave the club and um, the players that, that were influential for you in the first season so he had that to deal with as well as trying to deal with a consistency in the team um, a lot of players came in and out which didn't help him at all um, Lee Clark I've got a lot of time from because when my time at Kilmarnock just before that before I signed for Ross County which uh, Paul will talk about that he let me train at Kilmarnock um, he's, he's, he's a loving figure and um, it was unfortunate for him that it wasn't as successful as he probably wanted it to be at Birmingham. Um, but we did beat the drop. It was one that, when I look back, was it successful, was it not? I couldn't tell you uh, with the players that we had. But he, he, in football, you just never know. People always say they'll never get relegated. And Birmingham's a massive club. And Huge, it was yeah. great that they never got relegated. And you look at Hearts now, people are saying Hearts will never get relegated, but they're four points adrift. It's um, looking worrying, isn't games it? To win. It's yeah. just a worrying time for a massive club, massive, massive club. Um, so you never ever think that your team won't get relegated. As soon as you start thinking that, then it will happen. Um, but we, we, it was, it, it was actually a great day that we beat the drop. It was dramatic as it came. We were two 0 down, and a late goal where I think Cadiz uh, or Zigic um, we beat oh, the drop with that, yeah. with that point away away at Bolton um, we were minutes maybe even a minute and a half away from being in League One which just shows you in football it's a great game isn't it it's just yeah. uncertainty Absolutely. I mean, I think you're right in what you're saying there. You kind of triggered my memory a little bit with how much Birmingham suffered with losing players, I think, in the second and third season, I think, because they had that relegation from the Premiership the same, I think it was the same year. I think Sunderland, uh, if I remember rightly, had played Birmingham away. Um, I think Seb Larson, Craig Gardner scored, funnily enough, and it looked like Birmingham were due to stay up and it was all fine and they'd won the cup and then all of a sudden they went on this horrific run, went down and I think sometimes when you don't get up, as we're maybe seeing with a few clubs over the years, if you don't get up straight away in the first year, you're facing an uphill battle because your good players that have stayed have gone, you're losing mm-hmm. like a spine of your team and then you're also trying to kind of keep the, not keep the club afloat, but keep the club financially viable. Um, I suppose and you kind of for want of a better word you're almost pissing up against a wall aren't you um, yeah, sometimes how it can feel but you mentioned about your own form personally um, it definitely got noticed because obviously you made your Scotland, uh, made your Scotland debut back in 2006 um, obviously you played for Walter Smith scored two goals but then after that didn't really sort of get back into it but then 2013 because of your phone for Birmingham, Gordon Strachan brings you back in and he spoke really highly of you. Uh, and I've heard some really, really good stuff about Gordon Strachan, some really bad stuff about Gordon Strachan, but it seems like you had a, a good relationship with him. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a fantastic manager and a fantastic coach. Sometimes you don't get one and with Gordon Strachan, you've got two. Yeah. Uh, he's excellent. Uh, I'd probably put Walter Smith in that bracket as well being a fantastic coach and manager uh, yeah he, he obviously gave him a chance again at Scotland great character um, I just wish I actually had him as a manager yeah, uh, we, a club manager um, rather than just a Scotland 
manager can only certain amount of time you can meet up with him. Uh, he, he was in very, very unfortunate to lose his Scotland job because it, there's one thing I always noticed at the end of it when they when he, he got asked to leave was the football players were not happy that he left. And yeah. that just shows you um, how much, not just myself, but the whole group um, took to him and believed in him. I felt the club was going, the, the country was going somewhere with him in charge. Um, and usually when a manager leaves, the, the players are happy or they think it should be a different manager. But with this one, when that happened, it was it was a, it was one that I didn't think was the right choice. Um, I just the, the the best thing I could probably say about Gordon Strachan is I, I, I wish I actually in my career I had worked with him as a club manager because he would have definitely improved me and improved the players round about me as well because he was so passionate about football. We'd, we'd done double sessions most of the time, something that probably wasn't. Um, done around Scotland back in the day but he changed that culture he changed that mentality um, and it and it and that bleeded through the whole group and that probably was a starting point of the success that he had Was he as funny as he comes across? Yeah I, I know how people might take him um, yeah. like Marmite or whatever but he's so funny um, he's Great coach, great manager, and I could probably add to that a great character and yeah, personality because he is. Um, you just people when they maybe he maybe not be great for media. Um, He's not depending on <laughs> depending on depending on what question you ask, yeah. depending on what the result is. But if you actually look back on it, they're probably the characters that you want still in the game. Um, you don't want the, just the monotone academic talking about formations etc you yeah. want the ones that will give you a bit back and tell you it's a stupid question don't ask me that <laughs> um, he's a funny he's guy one that would, would do that no, but he is, I can't speak highly enough of him after Birmingham you went to, to Nottingham Forest I was actually a three um, leaving Birmingham obviously um, yeah, it was a Bosman wasn't it yeah the, yeah, the season they missed the drop I wanted a change I wanted a new challenge um, I was a free contract to anybody so I was actually going to sign for Middlesbrough or Nottingham Forest um, making that decision um, I went to meet Karanka and I, meant to, I went to go meet uh, Stuart Pearce uh, I chose I made the decision to sign for Nottingham Forest and um, one that I don't think you should have regrets anyway um, but yeah. I did, do not regret it any bit um, I had a great time at Forest we moved um, and rented in a, in a lovely lovely area my kids went to school I, was, I had to obviously change school at that point for my kids in Birmingham I stayed in a lovely place in Birmingham a little bit um, I always like to stay a little bit away from the city centre so I was the same at Birmingham than I was at Forest um, and I've rented everywhere I've went I've not bought anywhere because you never know in football where the oh, next yeah, move absolutely. is going to happen it could happen in six months time as you know so with a lovely place and I'm up and moved and um, unfortunately I would say Forest was one that was a little bit disappointing for me because I never got to fulfil that I felt what I could have fulfilled yeah um, 
at Nottingham Forest, what I noticed was there was they changed the manager a lot and they changed the players a lot. So you never really get that continuity, consistency. You never get a flow. You never get um, the repeated performances that you the club deserves and the club should get because it was a massive club, very friendly. Um, didn't realise how big the club was until I went there. Yeah, it's enormous. Yeah, yeah. Um, lovely staff, great training facility. Had had everything in place, but just didn't get to the Premier League as quickly as they wanted to get because of what they were doing. In my eyes, was changing the manager and changing players. And it, 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 ins and outs, ins and outs were very very. Um, very very quick which then doesn't have a good culture about the place or a, a, a culture that the, the, the club should have um, identity wise uh, the first season we actually started so well so well um, we were probably sitting first or second at times yeah. and for me the biggest thing that happened and I firmly believe we would have went got promoted and stayed first and second the whole season as our two central midfielders get injured Chris Cohen and Andy Reid fantastic they got injured so good I didn't believe how I couldn't believe how good the two of them were until I went there and they just made the whole team tick Uh, from defence from goalkeeper from defence to midfield from midfield to attack the two of them dominated in the central area, no matter who they were playing against. So we became a very good passing team, a very good possession-based team. We dominated the other team. Um, we, were, we were a team that I knew other teams feared playing against us. And then team. all of a sudden they two get injured and it was long-term injuries, which was disappointing. And then we had to try and change the style of play, we had to try and change the tactics, try and change the formations. Um, to try different things and when you're doing that when you're winning and then going to that it creates a bit of uncertainty and then it, it didn't go as planned as what it should have um, we couldn't replace them because of it's hard to replace their players uh, there were big characters about the changing room as well so we didn't have a successful time after that and then Stuart Pearce unfortunately got that um, and then rung in Dougie Friedman and we kind of kicked on a little bit when, when Dougie Friedman came in. He's a, a great coach, a coach that you can tell improves a, um, a talented player, a younger player. Um, he would probably tell his, his, himself that, I, again, he's, he was a disappointing how it ended. Yeah. Um, but we kicked on a little bit, but then we didn't make the playoffs. And then, again, Dougie Friedman wants to change his old team he wants to his own own players. Um, he wants to try different things. And um, probably one of the best three seasons I've ever had was under Dougie Friedman. He opened my eyes to how, if I was a coach, how I would like to do things. Um, he was great at that. Don't get me wrong. There was a few triple sessions in there up at six in the morning. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I would do that one though. <laughs> uh, but I fell out the team he had his own ideas he wanted to have his own style he wanted to have his own attacking players and the opportunity came arise at Froverham and 
and that that's when that's how I ended up there. You didn't get too long at Rotherham, but did you quite enjoy being at Rotherham? Was that like another challenge? I think was it? Yeah, I think in total it was only about five or so games, wasn't it? Before you went to mm-hmm. sort of Ross County, was there ever an opportunity for you to join Rotherham on a permanent deal, or was it a case of go there to get a few games and see how it goes? And then I think Rotherham, correct me if I'm wrong, that they, they might have stayed up that season. Or did they go down that season? Yeah, yeah, no, they did. That, um, the plan was to get back playing because I was left out the team. Mm-hmm. Near the end of the forest, and again, I was not wanting to just sit and pick up my wages and and just be a bit part player. I wanted to play football, um, and Rotherham came about. I decided to go to Rotherham because they were still not in the relegation zone, and and they were looking to stay in the championship. Uh, whether it was to be the following season, I signed again if I done well or not. Then so be it, or look for other other teams round about the championship. Uh, so I must say that Forrest, when I had left, the owner rang me up and just thanked me for everything and everything that I'd done for the club and about the place. And he was very apologetic, but he just had a it was business, and that's how he wanted that yeah. he wasn't going to sign me again. And that was the first time that has ever happened in my career, and I will never forget that. And never be ever so grateful for for that to happen. Um, and then when I moved to Hobarton, it was unfortunate circumstances because Neil Redfern who took me to Rotherham. We I played I think two games or three games and I scored two goals. Yeah, and then right. yeah. he got the he got the sack, and then Neil Warnock came in, and he again same at Forest. He changed the style, he changed what was going to happen at the club, he had brought his own players. Um, so I only played five games. And it was a testing time for me, really probably the most testing time in my football career and having and having to be professional. Yeah. But I'm one that I'm a firm believer of being professional and you're judged on your character when you're not playing, not when you're playing. Um, and you, you see the true person in that and it taught me a lot I'm never ever one to sulk or moan or not try as hard as I should um, but it was testing for me I'm not going to lie because when I was at, when Neil Warnock had his own philosophy and only a style of playing that I was always the one left out Yeah. Um, but before it I think I was his little lucky mascot because I was always the one left out but then I had to do the running before the training before the game and then come back in, watch the lads, and be successful. To be fair, because Neil Warnock had them, had them winning games, had them exciting the fans again. Um, and if he actually went there a little bit sooner, he would have probably made the playoffs because they had playoff form. Um, they were probably the form was like third or fourth in the league. Um, he was a he was a great manager, a great manager, and a great character. I can't speak highly enough of them, and that's me saying that. And I wasn't playing. Yeah. I was, I was always the one that was left out in the spare. But the team were doing successful, and I just wanted the team to be successful. And I wanted to make sure that if I came out at the end of this um, in good light, then it will always set me in, in in a good way for my next team or even in life. Because, as I said, it's easy to be happy and to be cheerful and to work hard and 
to do the correct things is when you're playing. But the test to you is what happens when that's not happening, when the yeah. opposite happens, when you're not playing, when it's not fun, when you're having it to get up and drive an hour 40 minutes every day to go to training to know that you're probably going to be training with the reserves um, or to be playing in a reserve match. Um, and not feel part of it then to drive back home an hour and 40 minutes and then know that you're going to do that all over again and then to drive another hour and 40, 40 minutes to go in a way to get to an away game to go in the bus to then know that you're the spare man to do the running before an away game in the stadium to watch the team be successful and then to go in and make sure that that everybody's okay and to shake their hand and say, well done, and then to do it all over again that week, what I just explained to you, until the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I knew that would set me to be the man that I, w- I would eventually, hopefully, become um, in, in, in my uh, player in, in my next role at the club. Talking about that sort of challenge and then you go to Ross County, Sort of towards the end, at the end of that season. Sorry, so you have that challenge. You've probably, as much as you've enjoyed being under Neil Warnock, you, any footballer wants to play, like you say. Um, so you got Russ County, probably fully expecting to, you know, hit the ground running, ready for the next challenge back in Scotland, and then a virus hits again. The one that you had when you were at Rangers, um, that must have been difficult. Oh, it was so difficult. As much as a footballing challenge was for at Rotherham. Then I experienced a mental challenge and a physical challenge when I was at Ross County. Yeah. Again, that was the time when Lee Clark said, come and train me as at Kilmarnock. Mm-hmm. And Kilmarnock wanted to sign me. And I chose to go to Ross County. A mental challenge was... It went really well at the start. Really well. I think I had four assists and I scored one goal in like six games. Um, the team were starting to pick up and then the virus hits me again where I just I don't know what it is and my immune system doesn't deal with it very well mm-hmm. but I don't want to bore you with the context of it <laughs> um, so mental challenge was very difficult because I was away from home my family were in Nottingham I was in Inverness and I don't know how if you know how long that is to get to Nottingham to Inverness. Hell of a trick. Um, I've did I've did Norwich yeah, to Inverness the, the, once. <laughs> yeah. The quickest way, Graham, was two trains. Yeah. And a taxi. That's what it was. And it was like seven and a half hours, seven hours, forty five minutes door to door. So it was very difficult to see my family. The only time I could get to see them was maybe when my when my wife took the kids out of school on a Friday and they would come and visit me. Um, so that was hard but it's hard when you get a virus as well you're not playing football and you're in a rented flat in Inverness and you're a Glasgow boy who's used to a different lifestyle and culture and whatever to then deal with that Um, are very people that are really helpful and always ask how you are Um, nice nice people but um, very laid back and I wasn't used to that yeah, in my whole world, time the way I've lived. I've never lived in a probably a, a laid back environment, and that's where I was. Um, so it was difficult. I actually chose, made the decision eventually because I was trying to come back. I was trying with the fitness coaches, with the physios, whatever. But I just, I just kept 
I was just knackered. I was totally knackered. Um, it wasn't working. And as a footballer, anybody will agree with me that you always want it yesterday. And I wasn't getting it for a long time. I wasn't getting it yesterday. I wasn't getting it today. I wasn't going to get it for next week. I wasn't going to get it next month. I was probably only going to get it next season. And that was hard to deal with for me. So I chose the option that I came to Ross County. You can just terminate my contract. Don't play me. Uh, don't pay me. I'm just going to go back home. I think that's the best thing to do, and I will regroup from there. Yeah. Um, they were they were very understanding of that. Very understanding. I'm ever so grateful for that. I've still got great friends. I'm still friends with the owner. Um, I'm friends with the sporting director. Um, I still actually, funny enough, I still know the the managers now there because of they were the man manager and the youth development manager at the time when I was there. Um, so I can't speak high enough for how understanding they were of it. But it was the best thing for me, um, if I'm if I'm honest, to do. Uh, and it was the best thing for me actually for my next actually probably if you look at it in my career, I've had it was probably a new big new beginning for me. Because yeah. I had to start all over again. I had to press the reset button. And that's when it all started at Commandment, where my first season was just one that I had to just get in the door somewhere and just to try and prove my worth that I can still do it and still be fit enough. Because in my position, it's very difficult to be the player that you want to be if you're not super fit. Um, I'm not a defender. Well, you maybe not do as many kilometres, you maybe not do many high-speed running. Um, you have to defend and create um, in, in my area, so you have to be super fit. You have to be probably one of the top three in distances every game, and I believe if you do it in training, it will happen in the game. Yeah. So you do it in training as well. So the, the, I, I can't speak. I'm, I'm, I can't speak highly enough of Roscoe. I've been very fortunate in my career actually, Graham, that I can't not speak badly of any any yeah. club that I was at. It's felt like that way throughout the, the conversation. There's normally always one way you feel, you know, it hasn't been the best of relationships, but everyone that you, you've sort of played under has been seemingly you had a great relationship with yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. probably when, I mean, how old were you when you went to Kilmarnock? You'd have been 31? Um, let me think. No, you'd need to actually find out. I, that's shocking. I don't even know. So, what is this? My first season, and I'm, I'm 36, so 35, 34, I'm probably 33. 33. 32, 33. Give or take, yeah. 33, yeah. So, you go through all that and you Probably career. people, that, that was the time, actually, if I'm honest, mm-hmm. when I signed for Kamarnock, people were probably writing me off. Yeah. My legs were gone, and I was just getting a little bit of pay before I retire. And that's what, that, that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm thinking we're talking about all of this. We've, we've spoke over the last sort of hour about your career and Champions League games, Old Firm, Swansea, Cardiff, Derby, um, narrowly missing out in the playoffs, gets the sort of Forest where it hasn't worked out towards the end, Rotherham where it hasn't worked out towards the end, Ross County where something's just not worked out for you. Then you go to Kilmarnock. But then you look at your time at Kilmarnock and I think the one thing that sticks out for me, um, you scored a goal that obviously helped Killian in Europe, scoring against Rangers mm-hmm. in I think the ninth minute or so uh, in Steve Clark's final game. You've achieved probably more than anyone expected you to at Kilmarnock. So just how highly is Steve Clark as a manager first and foremost, but Kilmarnock as a club, how high does that rank in your time as a professional footballer? Um, 
it's hard to determine right now, but it's yeah. definitely close to being the most important because of the opportunity that the club have gave me. Um, it would have been easy for the manager, Steve Clark, to say after my first season, you know what, Chris, what do you want to do? Do you want to coach or mentor um, the, the youth team or, or the 2020s or whatever? Um, I'll maybe even say that's you, Chris, whatever. Um, thanks yeah. for your services. But he never, he still believed me, still believed that I still challenged the group, even though I maybe wasn't playing the first season. Still knew that I still bring out the best of the ones that were playing because you know, I was on, I was probably chasing their place. And so it's always good to have competition. And he's seen that. Uh, so I can't speak highly enough for Steve Clark. He was probably, and if I'm honest as well, I have to mention Ian Clark because he was the one that brought me to Commander. Mm-hmm. He recruited very well. It was just unfortunate circumstances for him that it didn't work out because it was his first managerial job. Yeah. Um, and as a coach, it's difficult when you're taking your first job as a first team coach and a manager because you're probably trying to do everything and you're trying to, you do make mistakes. Um, it's just how quickly can you learn from the mistakes and now he's at Dundee United and being successful there which is great so you can see that already he's progressing um, so he's one that brought me there so I have to speak highly of him as well he believed in me when I wasn't playing at Ross and when I wasn't playing at um, Nottingham Forest and I wasn't playing at Ross County and I'd had a virus and he tried to tell the board that that he's only played five games but I still believe that he can offer something so I've got a lot to Thanks for that to him. Um, but then when Steve Clark took over, it was an eye-opener, not just for me, but for the whole group. And I'm so fortunate to actually work. I've worked with him every day because the way he structures training, the way he speaks to people, the way he gets every single player playing to the maximum, and the way he goes about his day-to-day business, the way he speaks, in a video meeting, the way it's structured, everything I've learned so much. Um, you can tell when he came and you look at his, his history where he's worked with the top, top players. He's you know, worked with the best managers and coaches in the world to this day still. Um, the Kermarnock Football Club got Steve Clark as a manager um, and you can tell with the success that he did, the team were bought me the league, probably had one or two points in 10 games or whatever, got them fifth, and then got the team third, which was just behind Celtic and Rangers. A massive, massive achievement, but if you look at, if you were to work with them, you would expect that, just because you know how well the team done every single day, and then when it, it came to a match day as well, most important question of all, the most difficult one that I'm going to finish on, right? Mm-hmm. Pick your five-a-side team from players that you've played with or played against. Oof. Sounds easy, but it's always the most difficult question of the lot. Yeah, it's very difficult, man. There's been a few. <laughs> um, I'm not going to pick against because it's, I, 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 it's... I would be cheating there, I think. <laughs> so I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick four, just because of, when you pick four, you know what the league is a character and yeah, and, and what, what what they'll bring to the five a side team. 
Um, I'm going to pick David Marshall in goal because I don't think people realise how good a goalkeeper he is. Every time uh, I meet someone, he's a good friend of mine, that I meet someone and they say, I didn't realise how good David Marshall is. And I'm like, yeah, I know. He's good with his feet and Andrew's hands and but that's important and he's a good talker a communicator as well and he's a big big lad you don't realise how big he is um, and then I'm probably going to go for let me think it's a top up between probably Frank De Boer and Arthur Newman but oh, because of choice. because of the information that he gave me when I was a young kid and developed, helped develop me. And he probably doesn't even take that into consideration. He probably doesn't even realise it, but how much he helped me when he was talking to me. That I'll pick Arthur Newman because he was a very good footballer as well. So you still need a defender that knows how to defend and knows how to play. Um, in midfield, I am going to pick... Jeez. This is no disrespect to anybody in this. <laughs> well, it's going to be very, very. Um, I don't want to pick all Rangers players. Um, <laughs> That's what I want you to do. I'll be honest. <laughs> what you want me to do? That? <laughs> That's what I wanted, but I'm not going you know, to push you down any I'm, avenue. I'm actually. I'm going to pick Arteta because I'm very fortunate to play with Arteta. He, as much as it's change of direction in the football pitch with the ball. You know, you talk about switcher play, but he did it differently with the switcher play. He wouldn't just get it out of his feet. And when you know you get out of his feet, he's going to play that diagonal. He would take the extra touch to to make them think that it's going that way and then go the opposite way again, and which was an eye-opener for me because it would give me one-on-one situations a lot. So I would I would pick up there. He progressed into, you know, going to Everton and Arsenal and stuff. So... Another one in there, so that's three. Um, that's up there. I'm going to go probably up top, who would be a fantastic, fantastic five aside. Obviously, a fantastic eleven aside player as well. But unfortunately, he got his injury because I believe that he would have went even further than Rangers. Is Michael Moles? Oh, great striker! Yeah, fantastic striker. Yeah, the one that had that turn. And you just knew he was doing that turn, but you couldn't stop it. So he would turn the defenders inside out and five aside for sure. Did his crochet, um, didn't he? Yeah, um, it was just unfortunately got injured. Um, if I was, if I was to have that link between Moles and Arteta, and that probably doggedness, um, as much as people maybe have not liked him to play against, I would say. Barry Ferguson because he was a winner and he yeah. loved winning yeah, um, he was dogged he was a fighter so if I had Ferguson or Tater in there um, the two of them would complement each other very well and link well with Michael Moles with Arthur Newman just pulling the strings at the back and nobody's going into the back of it with David Marshall so I think I would actually if I was in that five-a-side tournament, I think we would have been beaten. It's a challenge is, is that I could pick so many five-a-side players. <laughs> yeah, it's um, true. And it's just, it's difficult. It really is difficult, but I'm just grateful that I could probably pick 
no five aside teams. I could probably pick eleven aside teams in that. Yeah, quite a few. Um, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have did that. Chris, that was um, really wonderful. Thanks so much for doing it. Uh, I hope you had a bit of fun, kind of going over a, a career in an hour and a half. Um, oh, no.